a new series called What Can I Bring? And I don't know if you ever get invited to parties. Maybe you don't, which is very sad. But uh, if you do, uh, the first question you're going to probably ask uh, when you sign up is, is there anything I can bring or what can I bring? And uh, if you've ever, if you've been around church long enough, we used to have these things called potlucks, right? And you would bring your dish, everyone would bring a dish to the potluck. Now, I have a confession that is probably going to uh, offend, disappoint, um, uh, you, you, you will feel, um, you won't understand my confession, but it's this, I don't like casseroles. I don't. Now, I know what you're thinking. Oh, John, you haven't had my casserole on purpose. Okay? Now, you also might be thinking, didn't we have John and Lisa over a couple years ago? I think I made a casserole. I'll eat it, right? But if you put a can of cream of mushroom soup into something, I don't like it. Okay? And that's usually what goes in to a casserole, okay? I told you you're going to be offended, right? But I swear, if, if you ask Lisa, okay, what, 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 what sends John off the, oh, a casserole? Don't make a casserole. He doesn't, he doesn't like casseroles. Now, I know that's offensive, and I'm sure your casserole is better than any, all the casseroles I won't eat. I'm sure yours is the best, okay? And, and I, will, I, will eat, I will eat them. But if you go to a potluck and you bring a dish, if you're like me, and uh, mo mo most of us are all about the same, you always kind of keep an eye out on your dish to see if someone's actually eating it, right? And, and you get kind of like, I don't know, a not offended, but maybe disappointed, or like part of your value is like, no one's, no one's touching my casserole or wh wh whatever it is that you bring, you know. Uh, uh, you bring, you know, a bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken. Who, who knows what it is, okay? And, and, but you always kind of keep an eye out. Am I the only one or other people do that? Okay, yeah. So what this series is about are four things you can bring to any party that's coming up. And it will be devoured. As a matter of fact, this first one, uh, is so uh, needed at a party, that's so wanted at a party, that you could literally bring a truckload of it, like a semi, like uh, uh, you come in and then beep, beep, and there you go. And they just take forklifts and forklifts and forklifts for this item that you can bring to a party. And this is the problem, especially in our culture today. This item is scarce. It's very scarce. It's hard to find, especially on social media, especially in Congress, especially just in America, this item that uh, you can bring that uh, will, I, it'll be the hit of the party. Oftentimes we don't bring it because we think we know everything, but here's the item. It's empathy. Empathy. Now, that's rare these days. It's hard to... Put yourself in someone else's place. It's hard to be patient and listen. We want to be right rather than get it right oftentimes. And what I've noticed is um, that lacking empathy, when we lack empathy, oftentimes it's just lacking information. If you had all the information about the person 
that you were not letting off the hook, if you had all that information, you would probably be more empathetic. And here's where it's difficult. Because the holiday seasons are coming up and you're going to parties and you're going to be at family gatherings. Maybe Thanksgiving is coming up. You think, as do I, that you know everybody there. You know their family of origin story. You've been li- For some of them, they've lived with you every day of their life, and you know everything about them. And it's the people who are closest to us that we have the most difficulty having empathy because we think we know better. We don't think we lack any information. But that's not true. Only the Lord can judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And so we, just by being humans, already lack all the information that we would use to have empathy. So that's number one. Lacking uh, empathy often uh, times is just lacking information. Um, the other thing is the people you dislike most, think about this, not that you guys dislike anybody because you're Christians, um, but the people that you dislike most oftentimes are those that lack empathy. Right? How, how, why would he say that to me? Doesn't he know what I've gone through? Don't they, you know, if you have a boss you don't like, it's probably that boss, he or she, is, uh, is, is treating you uh, poorly. And if they just had all the information, then they'd understand. If they just knew what your day was like, they'd understand. This happens to me when I'm driving. Um, I, I believe that the car in front of me That space between us is my space. It's mine. I don't know how I earned it, but I did. And I'm in line, and you can't get into that space. And so, because it's mine. You can go find other space. Go. That's fine. But that's my space, right? But there's a shift that happens uh, that I I work on occasionally, where I pretend when the person comes into the space that I deserve... uh, I pretend that they just got a divorce and they're just trying to like figure out life. Or they're, they're going to a job interview. They haven't had a job for like six months. It's just this shift. What, I, what I'm doing is I'm giving myself faulty information, or maybe it's not faulty, in order to distribute empathy. Here's the other thing. The people you like most probably share your lack of empathy. So if you're, if you're a Republican... And, and you're around Republicans all the time, and you're like, Democrats, you know, whatever you guys say to Democrats, or if you're a Democrat, whatever you guys say to Republicans, and you just, like, you're with your friends, and you're like, oh, man, Republicans are gun-toting, you know, whatever you want to do, racist, you know, and, and Democrats are communists, you know, whatever, whatever it is, you're most likely doing that with a group of friends that don't have all the information, right? So... This is our point for this morning, then we'll get into the Word. We're going to get into two sections of Scripture and tell another little story in there. One is going to be the book of Romans, and the other one is 1 Corinthians. But here's here's the thing. What people need ultimately is rarely what they need initially. See, when we go to our family engagement or a party or whatever, and we're talking to the person who's other than us, and we can't understand why they believe what they believe and how they can have those opinions, we think ultimately we need to correct them. We need to give them all the information so that they begin to think like us. That's what they ultimately need. But that's rarely what they need initially. What they need initially is to be heard, to be noticed, to be listened to, and to, for patience 
and for understanding. That's what they need initially. Unfortunately, the church historically has been terrible at this. Terrible. Ultimately, we believe everyone should have a relationship with Jesus and that they have this vibrant relationship and that they will die and go to heaven and spend eternity with Jesus. That's what they need ultimately. But historically, the church has never really listened that well of what they need initially to be understood, to understand the pain, to listen to their doubt, to listen to their lack of, uh, of belief, and to just sit and be present. I think of a first responder, right? I have a bunch of friends. I don't know why, but they're firemen. No way could I be a fireman. And it's not because of the fires. It's because of the traffic accidents. Like the stories they tell ooh, about coming up to a traffic accident is just like terrible. And so I think of a first responder showing up at the scene and let's say somebody's leg is severed, right? Now imagine if that dude or that woman shows up and they bring a catalog for prosthetic legs. And they go, now look, uh, before we do anything, I'd like you to pick out which one uh, would you like uh, to, to put on. That's ultimately what they'll need. That's not what they need initially. They need a tourniquet initially. For what they need ultimately is not a first responder doing second, third, fourth responder stuff. I'm a 15th responder. I show up when all, all, everything's all good. I, I, I pick out socks for your prosthetic leg. That's what I, that's what I do, right? But so many times we meet somebody or we, we, we label them and because of the color of their skin or where they went to school or, or kind of how they talk or what maybe their gender, whatever it is, and we have this ultimate thing. But that's not what they need initially. And, and empathy is so rare these days that when you, when you actually give some of it, it blows people away. And you will have a much much better chance helping them ultimately get to where you want to get if your initial response is empathy. So let's, we're going to look at some scriptures. Uh, in, the first one's in Romans chapter 12. And uh, Paul's writing this to a church, but if you think about um, this language that he's using, he's really talking about general relationships. It's not just how we treat each other in the church, and here's where I get that from. Romans 12, 14, bless those who persecute you. So Paul's not saying like, hey, in the church, you're going to persecute each other. That's not what he's saying. This is a general rule for him. Bless those who persecute you. To be persecuted does not necessarily mean to be hit or to be shamed or whatever. The, 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 the language there is to be pursued. Like this thing just keeps coming and coming and coming. So your boss at work, your kids, whatever, it's just this idea that this, this situation keeps coming up. And when it does, we think we have all the information to make a judgment about that person. But almost always we lack information. This is why the Lord tells us to go on from that, bless and do not curse. You could almost add uh, because you don't know what, they're, what they've gone through. You don't know their family of origin. You don't know any, everything. So bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Now watch. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. 
how do you know if they're rejoicing or if they're mourning? Empathy. Empathy. To be present. To ask questions. To seek to understand. It's so rare. He goes on. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. A lack of empathy is just pride. You think you know better. You think if you were in their shoes, you would come to a different conclusion, right? Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. People who are on Republicans, Democrats, Raider fans, right? It doesn't matter who it is. You're, you're, you're with a people of low position. In other words, people that don't think like you. Be willing to associate with them. Hear their story. Hear them out. And then he says this, and this is amazing. It's in the Bible. This is in the Bible. Do not be conceited. Don't show up at a place thinking you know everything. I don't care how much you've learned over your life. There's always something to learn from somebody. Do not be conceited. I like the way the New American Standard version says it, because conceited sounds like, that's pretty harsh. I'm not conceited. New American Standard has a better translation. Do not be wise in your own estimation. <laughs> I love that, because you can't get off the hook with that one, can you? You can say I'm not conceited, but you can't say I'm not wise in my own, ex uh, uh, in my own estimation, right? So Jesus gives this um, Really cool example. Uh, we, we preached on this whole parable in depth uh, a couple years ago, so I won't get into it too much uh, because you probably all remember that sermon. Um, but uh, he's, he was asked the question, um, what, what, what are, what's the most important thing in the law? And, he, and, and Jesus said, well, you know, you know the scriptures. Like, how do you, how do you read it? And uh, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's empathy, okay? You're, you're seeking to understand. You're seeking to feel what they feel. You're seeking to uh, live kind of alongside, right? And so Jesus goes, hey, great answer. Good for you. But then the guy, like, wants to, like we all do, wants to justify his answer, justify himself, get some clarity. And he says, well, who's my neighbor? And Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. And you might all know that. Maybe if you're new to the Bible, you've never heard that phrase before. But it's, you know, it's basically... Uh, somebody who helps somebody else. He's a, he, basically, he's a first responder, is what, is what he is. And so the, as the story goes, uh, this is a made-up story. Jesus made it up. It's a parable in order to prove a point. And he says, a man was walking down from Jerusalem to Jericho, or Jericho to Jerusalem. I can't remember. It doesn't matter. And, and there's robbers that beat him up. He's, leave, leave him for dead. And a priest walks by. This almost sounds like a joke. A priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan all walk into a bar. No. Uh, they're, they're, a priest walks by and, and walks on the other side. And a Levite walks by, walks on the other side. But a Samaritan, and now, now again, if you're, if you're listening to Jesus right now, he just, he just picked the worst thing. Like, like he picked the opposite. So if it's like a Democrat walks by, you know, but a Republican, right? Or if you're a Republican, you know, a Republican walks by, but a Democrat, you know, Nancy Pelosi helps this guy. And you're like, no, you're like pulling your hair out, right? That's what Jesus wants because he wants you to understand your role as loving your neighbor, loving that person that you're going to see 
at these parties. That's why you bring empathy. And I, I just wrote down real quick this idea. He took pity. Now, the, 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 the Greek word, so is, I can't even pronounce it, splachniznomai or something like that. There's two ways you can approach words like this as a pastor. One is you just say it with your chest, and then everybody is like, wow, he must really know how to say it. I can't do that. I have no idea how to say this. But what I love is what it means. Dr. Metcalf can tell me after the thing. But um, to have the bowels yearn. This, this happened to Jesus. Jesus told another story about a son who leaves, leaves his dad, takes the inheritance, and then he comes to his senses, senses and when he's on, on, on his way back, the father sees him far off and his bowels yearn. One time, Jesus will get to feeding the 5,000. He sees the, 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 the people, and his bowels yearn. And so because of that, because he, the, the Samaritan has this thing, and remember, what I love about this is this is the language Jesus chose to use, that it was a Samaritan, and that he took pity on him, right? So he, he did that. Then he took action, which might be your next thing to bring when you bring empathy. And maybe your action is to be quiet, to be silent, and to just listen. Maybe that's your action, right? Then he took responsibility. He took this guy and he lifted him up and he kind of bandages his wounds and he brought him to uh, an inn and uh, he uh, uh, took care of all his stuff. And then he took a risk and he said, hey, whatever thing this person needs from here on out, I'll take care of it. Now, can you imagine if you show up at an event? I don't care what it is, high school reunion, whatever, whatever comes up in the next uh, holiday season. And you said to yourself, you know what I'm going to bring this thing? I'm going to bring empathy. I'm going to listen. I'm going to find the most difficult person I could talk to. You all have uh, that uncle, right? <laughs> okay. I mean, my, I, I, I have people in my family, I can't, this goes out on the internet, so I'm not going to say who it is, but, um, <laughs> but uh, you have that person where it's just like, oh man, I hope he gets uh, cold, I hope he can't make it, I hope he can't, right, and then, or she, okay, not to be sexist against men, uh, right, or they, I hope they don't show up. Imagine if you showed up and said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to hear their whole story. People change through that kind of empathy. So he takes, he takes a risk. Again, Jesus with the feeding of the 5,000, uh, he, 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 he's doing all this work, and then he sends the disciples off on a boat, and he, or they go off on a boat to a solitary place. He wants to get away from people. He doesn't want to be around people. You say, well, Jesus, that's so, well, you get tired and you don't want to be around people. So he goes to a solitary place, and they overheard or they figured it out, and they beat him there. And so the Bible doesn't say, so he went to a more solitary place than that solitary place. No. It says this. When Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, his bowels, it got him. It was a gut punch. And he's like, I, this can't be about me. This can't be about what I know. This can't be about the story about me. It has to be about other people. And it's through that that we actually, uh, uh, we, 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 we get to uh, the feeding of the 5,000. But watch what he does. What do they ultimately need? 
They ultimately need to understand that Jesus is the Messiah, accept Jesus, you know, the whole thing. That's what they ultimately need. But you know what the first thing Jesus does is what they need initially, he healed their sick. Now, he didn't have to do that. He could have just said, listen, you guys, first of all, I'm tired. Secondly, I just want to share what's going on. I came from God. I'm in this suit of meat now, and I'm trying to live my life to show you, and then I'm going to die, and then I'm going to be resurrected. No, he's like, who's sick? Man, can we be like Jesus with that kind of empathy where we show up at a place and we go, who needs what? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Paul, uh, we were talking in Romans, in 1 Corinthians, he says the same type of thing. And this is this idea of understanding what somebody ultimately needs and how do you provide it through initial means, okay? So Paul is the person who could share the gospel easiest probably in the whole world. I mean, he's like the greatest Christian ever. He wrote half of the New Testament. Right? So we think of Paul as like, if anyone was just going to walk into somebody and go, you're a sinner, you're going to hell if you don't accept Jesus, and like, it would be Paul. He has the authority to do that. He's planted a bunch of churches. He's been persecuted. He's, like, you know, he's got a chip on his shoulder. He has no problem saying it like it is. Right? You would imagine that Paul, of all people, would show up at the party and be that guy right? who's just like speaking the truth, doesn't care about feelings, nothing. That would be Paul, right? But watch the way Paul talks about himself. Though I'm free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone. That is empathy. That is sacrifice. That is laying down your life. That is, I don't have to have it my way. I have all this ammo that I've built up over reading things, watching YouTube videos. I know the answer to the question. I could write the test and you say, I will remain silent. I'll just listen. How did you come to that conclusion? That's fascinating to me. And we're going to go through in just a little bit some ways you can practice. Because empathy is a muscle. So at first it's going to be uncomfortable. And you're going to sit there and go, that was the worst sermon I ever heard. I just want to go guns a-blazing, and I can't, right? But as you do it more and more, you'll get used to this line of questioning. He says, I've made myself a slave to everyone. Why? That's what they need initially. What do they need ultimately? To win as many as possible. So I'm going to do initially what opens the door for what I want for them ultimately. Do you see what I'm saying? Does that make sense? That's what Paul is saying. So he goes on, he uses this slave and free metaphor, right? Then he goes on, he says, to the Jews, I became like a Jew. And you think, oh, he's just, like he's putting on a false, like a mask everywhere he goes. That is not at all what he's saying. He, what he's saying is, I will adopt, as, until it affects my relationship with Jesus, whatever part of your culture makes you feel valued and listened to and understood. To those under the law, I became like one under the law. In other words, I, I didn't eat those foods. I didn't drink those things. I didn't feel, why, why? Even though I'm, I myself am not under the law. I can do whatever I want. Paul's right. Why is he doing that? So as to win those under the law. I will do initially what helps me do what I need to do 
ultimately. Those of us who've raised kids have seen this, right? You tell your child, don't, you know, don't swing the bat in the house, right? Don't swing the bat in the house. Don't swing the bat in the house. And then <laughs> the lamp goes flying because they were swinging the bat in the house, right? Okay, ultimately, they do need some form of discipline in life or they'll end up in prison, okay? Ultimately. But initially, what do they need? Do they need to be yelled at initially? Do they need to be, do they need to see, I don't know, it's your kids, okay? I know what mine needed oftentimes. And so it's just, what do they need initially? You're, you're in a relationship, and, 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 and you're close. Maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, and, and, and something's wrong, or you're in an argument. Ultimately, you want to get your point across, right? Because ultimately, you want to be right. Is that what you need to do initially? You never listen to me, you, all this kind of language? No. No, what we need initially is empathy. It's in all your relationships, at work, in school, in the home, at church, what we need initially. He goes on. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I'm not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. Why? What's the ultimate goal? So as to win those not having the law. I will approach you that your point is dignified and not just wrong, and I will listen. He says this, to the weak, I became weak. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? To win the weak. That's why. You start with the end in mind, right? He says, I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means, what? I might save some. Right? Understanding where your kids are coming from before you know, why they get a C on a test or whatever it is. I mean, you can fill in the blank. Our first reaction is rarely what's needed. <laughs> it's not. Right? He says, I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. So uh, some of you know this, but many don't. I'm getting my license to be a certified coach through the International Coaches Federation, right? For, for uh, helping people get unstuck in their, in their life, right? Uh, and so uh, I, I'm in classes and I do uh, lots of coaching um, via Zoom calls and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and so um, part, of, part of that is this idea of asking the right questions. And so I was going through some of my coaching stuff, and I thought, man, this, this is empathy. And this could be some things, and we'll, we'll tie it back to Scripture in a second. But these are some questions that you might want to ask at that party when you're talking to the person that's super super frustrating. Or you might want to ask as you're talking to a loved one. Um, and you, you want to just fly off the handle, but you're just going to go, nope, I'm going to sit, I'm going to be empathetic. And here, here are just a few of them, some questions, and some of them aren't questions, they're statements that invoke empathy. And uh, they're kind of small because I had to fit them in there, but uh, tell me more about that. That is, that is a game changer. When you're talking to somebody you disagree with, and they're like, and the other thing is that Trump 
you know, he, you know, he was a criminal in the 97 tragedy. Oh, my. I mean, tell me more about that. Tell me more about that. Oh, well, you know, <laughs> there you go. And he just goes, oh, man, that, that sounds like you've really thought this through. Wow, that's, that's awesome, right? That, tell me more about that. Uh, you seem, and then you can fit it in, happy, energized, agitated. What's going on? Hey, you seem super happy right now. What's going on? Oh, I just found out I got a raise. Oh, cool. And there you are. You're just being empathetic. You're trying to feel what they feel. Very simple question. It's so easy. And yet it changes your relationships. Here's a great one. What are you afraid of? Now, you don't ask it, ask it like in a derogatory way. Like, what are you afraid of? Right? You know, you ask it like, man, you sound, you sound really concerned about this issue. What's your fear? What? Oh, it's my fear is that. You know, then we'll be run by communists, you know, whatever it is, right? Oh, okay. Tell me more about that, <laughs> right? Empathy, empathy. And you're listening. You're not formulating your rebuttal. There is no rebuttal with empathy. It's just feeling, right? Here's another one. Tell me your story of how you got where you are now. Like maybe on this issue or where you are. Like tell, just tell me your story. Tell me your story is a beautiful way to invoke empathy. Why? Because we have the end in mind. We don't want any bridges burned with anybody because we want to share the love of Jesus with them. Tell me your story. Uh, I like this one. If you were in control of X, you know, whatever that is, if you were president, if you were uh, in control of uh, homelessness uh, in, in, you know, Los Angeles or whatever, what would success look like for you? Like how would it, how would it play itself out, right? This is a great, great question. Here's another great question. Who are your role models? Who are your role models? You find so much information about somebody by asking this question. You say, John, this isn't really the Bible. This is just kind of, we'll get there in a second. I love this question. What are you learning? What are you learning? People, this is, that's a very intimate question to people. They're like, oh, wow. <laughs> so they just, they just go on. And then I love this question too. If this issue were solved, whichever thing you're talking about, what would change for you? Now, oftentimes you'll find out that nothing would change for them. You know, you're talking about the Ukraine war or the Middle East. You know, if that was all solved, how would it change? The answer is usually none because we don't, we don't impact any of it. But it's a great way to invoke empathy. Now listen to this. Jesus invokes empathy. Watch Jesus' question. Watch how Jesus interacts with people. Because Jesus, of anyone who's ever walked the earth, has all the information. He has the ultimate argument. He knows the end. Right? So of all the people who doesn't have to have empathy or ask questions, Jesus would be the one. And watch his questions. Who do you say that I am? Jesus could have easily just said who he was. <laughs> like he could have just said, this is who I am. And he did at times, you know, I am I, who I am. But, but, but he asks, who do you say that I am? Do you believe? Right? Not, here's a, a one-hour sermon on why you should believe. With everything all lined out, with all the prophecies filled in and all these things. No, 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 no. Do you believe? Where are you coming from? Do you want to get well? He asked somebody. Well, who doesn't want to get well? Well, Jesus asked the question. Because he wants to invoke empathy. He wants to hear what they have to say. 
wants to get inside their head. Oh, this is a great question. Why are you so afraid? Right? Remember, he, he, they, had, they, were, they had the uh, a storm, right? Why are, you, why are you so afraid? Like, well, I'm afraid that if we drown, and it's okay, if you drown, what happens next, right? Why did you doubt? That was Peter walking on the water. Like, you were doing so great. Why, why did you doubt? Do you still not see or understand? Jesus asked. Now, listen. Jesus could have just berated his disciples. I mean, we see a couple times. He, he, he did call Peter Satan one time, so I guess that he did. All right. But, but he could do that every day. He could wake up. Hey, Satan, what's going on, dude? Like, every single day. Right? Remember when he went on the Garden of Gethsemane? He's like, you guys couldn't stay awake for like one, one hour? Like, what, what's going on? Right? So he could do it, but he doesn't. He didn't. He's like, do you, do you not understand? Are you also going to leave? That could have easily been, how dare you? How dare you? Do you know what I've been through? Do you know all these things? I've got to walk around with you guys. You don't know anything. You can't, you have no faith. It's like a big waste of my time. Uh-uh. Are you, are you going to go? Are you going to leave? What do the scriptures say? How do you read them? Jesus could have easily said, here's how you read them. I wrote them, okay? So here's what you're supposed to do. No, what, 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 do, they, what do they say to you? He says to the woman, who, who touched me? Right? He's, he's going, what, 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 what? and you know what is amazing after this question? It says in one translation, she told him her whole story. He was on the way to go heal and officials, I mean, this was big for the ministry. He could have gotten lots of donations, big news. He's going to help the official, right? Uh, his daughter, raise her from the dead, or heal her from being sick, right? And he stops, and he listens to her whole story. That's empathy. That's empathy. Then he asks this question, do you love me? Do you love me? Amazing, amazing. Now, I have two questions as the worship band comes back up. Do you think Jesus asked those questions because he has an agenda? It's a very good question. Like, do you think, like, this is his shtick? Or do you think he really wants to know your answer? I think it's the latter. I think Jesus really wants to know my answer. I think he wants to hear my whole story. I think he wants to know where I'm coming from. Now, again, it's tricky when it's Jesus because he already knows all that, right? He already knows the, the thoughts and intentions of my heart. But he still asks the question, what if Jesus is modeling this for us? We're Christians, most of us. If you're not, we invite you to join us and be a follower of Jesus. But this is what Jesus modeled. He could have walked around and been yelling the whole time for three years, just spitting facts. Right about this is what I, this is where I was when the earth was created. Here's what this you know this is why Isaiah he's a good friend of mine. You know this is like he could have just been doing that, but he didn't. Listen, what people need ultimately is true, and 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 and, and it's good that you have all the facts and I have all the facts and I have my positions on all these different things that are so important. Right? But that's rarely what they need initially. So what can you bring? 
at your next event. And it's hard at first. Like I said, it's a muscle. And so you might get five minutes into it and go, I can't stand it anymore. This is what's going on with the United States, you know, whatever it is. But as we keep trying, I'm telling you, people eat this stuff up. You will not bring back any food. The dishes will be licked clean if you bring empathy. We're going to have a time of uh, one, one last song. And, uh, what we do during this time is we have pillows down here. And if you uh, want to come and pray, and maybe, maybe your prayer this morning is, Oh, Lord, I already know what party I'm going to, and I know she's going to be there. I know he's going to be there. I need help with this empathy. He loves those kind of prayers. He loves those kind of prayers. So maybe you want to kneel down. I always like to kneel down after I preach and just kind of, it centers me for heading into the week. And so, uh, so you can come forward and do that. There'll be somebody praying by the cross. If you would like someone to... Um, just kind of lay their hand on you and pray over something specific. You'd like a, someone to pray for you, you can do that as well. But let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that you cared enough about us to listen, to ask questions, to engage. You could have been, you could just berate us and argue with us all day, but you ask questions. Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray you would go in his strength, in his peace, and in his love. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.